Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR dot org dot AU three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally first broadcasting noon to one Sunday Australian Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for your company. Out of the pan and all shows on three CR broadcast from the lands of the original inhabitants, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging. We also acknowledge the intersection of what in Western society can be called LGBTIQ and our original inhabitants, and that intersection includes sister girls and brother boys, and we acknowledge their unique contributions to diversity and intersectionality on and around all the lands. Thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news, as they do every Sunday from 11.30 till noon, and good to hear of the goings-on in Hobson's Bay, course, Hobson's Bay's Deputy Mayor is Tony Briffer, long-standing advocate on intersex issues, amongst many things, and a lifelong um, inner West resident. Um, so good, um, great to see that sort of crossover on so many social justice and environment issues. If you want to get in touch with the program, there's lots of ways to do it. You can email outofthepan855 at gmail.com. You can text 61456 Seven five one two one five. You can um, tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And hope you're having a relaxing um, beer on, or something if that's what you want on this um, long weekend. Although, as um, mentioned a few few shows back, Stone Cold has given up the grog. Um, so have a relaxing mineral water if that's your thing too. And of course, um, all we're fluid diverse on this program. And you can look for the posts on Facebook on uh, my page, Sally Goldner, and out of the pan, 3CR, 855 AM Melbourne. And of course, welcome to listeners of all genders, including, but not limited, to ladies and gentlemen. Well, a couple of things to talk um, on the show today. We're going deep into diversity across the rainbow community. Um, around a um, third of the way through the show, quarter of the way, um, be joined by Kiralee Haywood, a um, Geelong-based advocate who talks about many, many things, um, and as mentioned, a focus on disability, um, including YPIN, um, the Young People in Nursing Homes National Alliance, and there's something to talk about, of course, the Royal Commission into Aged Care um, underway, and there's, there's one aspect alone, but also wanted to have a thought, um, get some thoughts going about something. Um, next Thursday, the 26th, um, is Lesbian Visibility Day. And look, I'm 
Uh, my sexual orientation is bi-pan, so attraction to more than one gender, if you like. Um, and um, um, I should, you know, so I can't comment directly, but, um, you know, what does it mean? What is lesbian culture? What is lesbian identity? Yes, we could do a Sally educator um, day job definition as, you know, fe- you know, pretty much in simple terms, female attracted only to females. Um, but what does that tell us? What does it tell us about lesbian culture? And of course, for some people, let's put, let's put aside a small elephant in the room, as we can do on, and may need to do on the show. Um, some people might think, you know, when they think of lesbian culture in this neck of the woods, they think of the particular strand or part of the lesbian community that is not exactly supportive of the trans community, which, you know, let's get that clear. It's only a small part of the community, but it can be very um, intense at times. Remember very early on when I was a, a little baby twan, I was told by another person in the trans community that the lesbians hate us, which of course is not true, major generalisation. But um, what does lesbian culture mean? Um, you know, sort of, as I say, I can't um, answer that question. And I'd just be curious, um, what will it mean for Lesbian Visibility Day on Thursday? Um, and I do want to thank Lesbians Incorporated who informed me of this, otherwise I wouldn't have known. Um, so very, very interesting issues. I know at the first Better Together conference back in January 2018, so 15 or so months back, um, when we had there were there were various um, caucuses, corki is that a word? Anyway, um, anyway, um, the various groups and you know I didn't hear obviously I didn't go to the lesbian one, not my identity, but I did hear in direct reports that there was a struggle for a lesbian identity, particularly amongst younger lesbians. You know, yes, gay gay and lesbian have taken visibility up until now in the rainbow communities, but. I think in the Australian context, since marriage equality, um, there, I, you know, yes, there are obviously issues that still affect lesbians and gay men. Um, you know that, um, you know, it's fair to say that there aren't too many that specifically affect them. So religious exemptions, great piece by the way on Alistair Laurie's blog on what happened to the efforts to get rid of the religious exemptions for students and or teachers. Um, but that affects, you know, all of sexual orientation, lesbian, gay, bi, and gender identity, and many others, such as single parents, for example. Um, so um, the question is, what is that identity? What are the issues to focus on now that, you know, a big ticket item for cisgender gays and lesbians mean marriage equality was achieved nearly 18 months ago, in a, again, in the Australian context? And of course, you know, we originally... Um, one of the reasons for adding L to visibility was the need that many lesbians felt a bit invisibilised by the term gay. Um, So what is that culture? It's an interesting one, and it's good that we have this day. I'm going to be looking forward to just um, checking in on the the hashtag on Twitter and that sort of thing and other social media. Um, What does it mean? And it's interesting, um, you know, what um, to, to sort of consider that. Where are we heading? in those sorts of issues. And what will be the future, I suppose, not wanting to take away from Lesbian Visibility Day, I'm not a gay man either. Uh, Not a man at all. Um, Sounds like a Wilson Dixon track there. Play that one next week. But um, seriously, what does it mean nowadays to identify as gay or lesbian? You know, and again, in the Australian context, obviously acknowledging regional differences, which we're going to talk, I might talk about with our 
next guest as well. Um, so, um, yeah, there's lots of things to consider here. And um, so, you know, so what, what is the answers here? The Lesbians Incorporated um, sent around their community update a couple of weeks ago today to show your support for the lesbian community. Now, that, of course, could mean whether you're, um, that's your identity or whether you want to be an ally. Join together to celebrate the joy of being ourselves and the vibrant communities we are part of. How are you going to celebrate? Visibility is not about being seen as an individual. It's working together to transform society when everyone is seen. We're all stronger. Hashtag is Lesbian Visibility Day with LVND, Lesbian Visibility Day. It's capital letters for the first of each word, but all one word linked together. Um, so a very interesting scenario. Where to next? As I say, not my commune, not my direct identity, but things to consider. All right. Um, we opened up by the, the way with, of course, a pretty famous lesbian in history, Melissa Etheridge, and one of my favourite, um, I think I have to say my favourite outright track from her, and heavy, um, not too heavy a conversation, I hope. All right. Um, let's have some Australian music, um, because we can, and let's have a listen to the title track from Dragon's comeback album in the early 80s, The Body and the Beat. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally, and after the messages, you'll be hearing from our guest, Kiralee Haywood. The Boldness, campaigning for human rights for people with disabilities. Join us every third Wednesday of the month at 6pm on 3CR. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. That's us, 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon till one Sunday afternoon. Thanks, as always, for your company. Prior to the messages, we heard from Dragon from... Well, originally from the Body and the Beat album, that um, version was from an album called Cuts from the Tough Times, which took um, um, tracks from Body and the Beat and um, Western Girls, um, in their two 80s albums, which they, perhaps the reviewer on this said that um, they weren't really Dragon. I thought they were still pretty good. And that was one of them. Well, bodies of all sorts move to different beats of all sorts. And I'm not necessarily talking um, cha-cha and um, boot scooting here. Um, because on the line is a guest um, who's, well, um, you know, um, has their own unique body. We'll find out um, more about Kiralee Haywood and what Kiralee gets up to in terms of community involvement. Kiralee, welcome to 3CR. Hello, 
Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, and particularly relatively short notice. Um, yeah. I was a bit over-relaxed on the Easter weekend and then thought, oh, my God, I haven't got anything planned for the show. But no, no one heard that. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Only the thousands of 3CR listeners, yeah. live radio people of all genders, which I reminds me to ask, um, can I just check in with which pronouns you use, if any? They, them, or he, him is fine. They, them, or he, him. Yeah. Kiralee, at risk of sounding like a very bad job interview question, Tell me a little about yourself. <laughs> so, as you know, and as your guests know, I'm Curly. Um, I have. I was born with um, spina bifida, mm-hmm. which is a deformity of the spine. Um, I was born with the worst severity of that, um, which uh, resulted in mobility issues. I use a chair. I'm a, a double leg amputee. Um, and that journey in itself has brought many challenges over the course of my mere 31, nearly 32 years on, on this, this, this place called Earth. Um, if anything, the journey has made me a, a, a stronger person. Um, and also, I, I'm a part of the rainbow as well. Um, I identify as queer and gender diverse. Um, as you mentioned, my pronouns, um, and I'm sort of navigating the early stages of my transition as well um, with um, the psychology and mental health journey and also the medical journey along with that um, and the, the the twists and turns of intersectionality in accordance with disability mm. and sexuality and various other things social model, you name it, it all ties up together either very well or not so well at all. <laughs> well, gosh, I just, I could say ask for a little bit and there's a mountain in there and it's um, so much I can respond to there. Yeah. You know, I'll just, I'll ask an open question. Yeah. How is the, in terms of the transition, I'll say, how is the intersectionality going? Are you face getting the support you need as I'll say the total individual that you are, or are you finding um that, you know, maybe one part of you is being supported, one not, or just how would you describe it? Yeah, so I mean I I've kind of well, I mean, I, I feel like I've had a very atypical journey of most trans and gender diverse people. Mm-hmm. I've 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 been a, on a journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance, arguably for over the last 20, 25 years. Um, And before I started to accept everything, you know, I was merely trying to accept the fact that I had a disability when I was younger. There was a lot of shame around the fact that I had a disability. Um, You know, why, why... can't I be like the other kids or mm. people around me? Why can't I be, in inverted commas, normal? Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I do the things that other people do? Why does my body look different? Um, why do I have these deformities? Why do I look weird? Why can't I? Le- why do I have learning deficiencies? Da 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 da. All of this sort of stuff, and it was just that yearning to to normalise. <laughs> my body at that time because I felt so much shame around the concept that I had a disability. 
Um, and that lasted arguably, you know, all through my young years, my my teenage years and all the rest of it. But, I mean, the positive throughout all of that stage was, you know, I grew up in a fairly supportive home mm. um, uh, for the most part. My mother, Anita, um, she was my rock. She was my absolute rock, my carer. Um, you know, you, as they say, your, your first best friend. Yeah. Um, someone I could open up to and, you know, she always instilled in me, you know, uh, to have a sense of self-worth and courage and kindness and compassion and just gusto about life. And, I mean, that, that those were qualities, I think, that she encompassed within her own life, um, not only her professional life as a nurse, but also her personal life as a mother, as a wife, as a, you know, a sister, grandmother, what have you. Yep. Um, that, um, that, you know, you took, that was a really good point to make, that you had that support, but there were still challenges along the way. So it managed to say, sort of stay in simple terms, more positive than negative, despite the, you know, in inverted commas, why can't I be like other kids, etc. Mm. Was there a big turning point where you managed to leave more of the negativity behind, apart from having such a wonderful, you know, having a wonderful parent? Yeah, I think, you know, it was toward my later years of my schooling and also after finishing my schooling. Um, but mind you, that on reflection as well, that was a very tough time in my life because I, from early teenagehood, I was trying to accept feelings, thoughts and behaviours I was having from young and then I was pushing them down um, and trying to accept myself for me and get get over some of that self-destruction even when I was younger but not real, realising why sort of thing. But also... My my dear mother at the time, unfortunately, became very unwell mm-hmm. with cancer, oh. um, and she she was diagnosed initially with a um, a tumor in a uh, breast breast cancer, um, which was removed, and then we had a a year of um, remission after that, and then after that. She was diagnosed with a, a brain tumour, of which she was given pretty much two years, which was bang on what the life expectancy was. But, you know, throughout that time, those qualities that I mentioned, even more so, even more so. Um, and that's kind of what's helped me to get through the struggles that I've had to go through in in finding my identity as a disabled person and also someone who's queer. Yep, multiple facets, multiple challenges, but of course also 
multiple strengths and unique perspectives, mm. which is the critical thing. And it translates into, well, some of the things you do, gosh almighty, we, um, when we were <laughs> having a chat this morning, yeah. so many things to talk about. Um, one which people may not have heard a lot about, maybe not at all. Yeah. Um, and we do love um, acronyms in our community, WIPIN, W-I-P-N-H. Tell us yeah. about that one. Which are the the young people in nursing homes. Yeah. So to begin, I'll, I'll talk a bit about my journey. Mm-hmm. So throughout my early 20s, or late teens, early 20s, you know, I was a busy uni student, you know, always splitting about, never home, always engaged in it every or most aspects of university life, going to classes, socialising, going out and having a good time. Um, I was also a bit of a gym rat, um, all of that sort of stuff, and trying to manage all those aspects of my life, whereas, you know, the other aspects, I think, you know, in hindsight and due to, again, in hindsight, that self-hatred and loathing as well, um, and non non self acceptance at the time, but yeah, I I sort of went from a fully active, always flitting about university student to, but uh, in the middle of two thousand and twelve, um, I was actually diagnosed with a stage three, uh, stage four pressure area on my lower leg, uh-huh. um, of which I had to be rushed into hospital for emergency surgery. Um, they had to remove quite a large deficit from from the leg, yeah. um, which has created a cavity which is still healing. Um, but, yeah, throughout that time, you know, I endured months and months of hospitalisation, you know, numerous treatments, you know, and in that deluded mindset at the time, you know, I was arguably both physically and mentally unwell at the time for many, many reasons, including that non-self-acceptance. But being constantly surrounded by medical professionals who, you know, you think would have your best interests at heart, um, you know, I, I got to a stage where I was, I became paranoid about their intent and and what they were going to do and all of this sort of stuff. And some of the treatments I thought in my deluded mindset at the time were just plain unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spent three months in hospital, um, treatments and surgeries most most days of that that three months. Um, And then from there I was transferred to a transitional care placement within a aged care facility out in um, Wellington, which is near Ocean Grove. Yep. Um, and, you know, similar thing there. And I mean, I was still not in a great state of health mentally nor physically, um, nor self-acceptance. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the, the, the reality of the situation was starting to hit me by then and... I was shutting myself in my room all the time, just scared of the situation, away from the, the, the madness 
um, in my in in my social prison of my room, just away from the madness. I didn't want to know about it as a young person. I began my journey at the age of twenty four. Um, there are some who begin their journeys much younger, which I will talk about after. Yeah. But again, I spent. Um, I was meant to only spend three months there, uh, but I ended up spending four due to lack of recovery from the wound itself and also, I think, you know, some mental health issues as well um, that were kind of related at the time. Um, but, yeah, just just being in that environment when I was actually meant to be recovering, um, being in a place that's meant for end of life, not exactly conducive. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. It doesn't really seem very compatible, um, you know, with your needs. And I was going to ask, um, in a more, we'll say, utopian world, what would have been a better place to um, uh, for you for you to be physically after you had left um, hospital? Ideally, yeah, I would have loved to have been in a like supported living at the uh-huh. time. But back then, and we're talking six, seven years ago, yep. still there was no or very little in terms of disability housing. And that today, that is still very much the case. Um, I mean, as a result of that situation, I was then transferred to where I am now. Um, and I've been here nearly six, seven years. Um, I'm on the tail end of that journey. I've found housing which hopefully I will be moving out into in six months. Cool. <sighs> Thank heaven. Um, mm. Good for privacy and my own space. But, um, you know, even throughout this particular time of the last six years here, you know, I've, I've seen things that a young 20, 30-something should not see on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. I've seen death, death and dying. I've seen bodies being carried out. I've seen aged care-related illnesses and the effects of um, uh, so many things. And, like, there was one instance I can vividly remember where it was the first time I'd actually seen a body being carried out. And after that uh, incident, I was just... Yeah, I was literally stuck in bed for a month with pretty severe depression. Understandably. I mean, that's, as you say, I mean, you know, for anyone to see that, but yeah, someone who's already in, say, somewhat of a, oh, I might use the word, of, you know, an overall fragile state, you know, a vulnerable state, that's just, you know, it's sort of, I'm, as you can hear, I'm struggling for words a little, um, that... Yeah. You've had to go through that, and you know it's you know I can imagine how much then you are looking forward to getting to a space that is more yours and is your particular castle. Um, to no. quote, um, I mean, to quote I, the movie, I've yeah, really, yeah, I've been really lucky, particularly in the last few years, that I've gradually built up the confidence again, and not only that, but my physical health again to be able to do what I do within the community, to be able to go out actively, to have, you know, a social life, a work life, a study life, you know, do my activism. Mm. Um, 
And, you know, that's been facilitated through the, the supports that I have at the moment, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, but, you know, once I, once I find that housing, that that will mean the absolute world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, jeez, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> well, yeah, you've got to have that base that's yours, you know, um, that sort of say, happy space, not just a safe space, a happy space happy that space. is truly yours um, to work, you know, to go home to at night and just feel relaxed in. I think we all we all probably yeah, need and, and want that, but you know, sometimes we don't get that, it. And not only that too, but I think um, considering, you know, our demographic as well, that element of safety is a big, 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 big thing. Mm. Um and, you know, again, like, I've been lucky in most senses in my current environment. Everybody has been really supportive of things going on. Um, and they've actually been offering help and support and whatever they can do, um, which I'm... Re- I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some negative responses as well and your typical pat-on-head patronising kind of, oh, but are you sure? Do you need more information? Da, 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 da. You know, yeah, medicalising, pathologising, infantilising. I could use many other adjectives. Well, yeah, just on on that, and it was more focused on um, psychological, mental health and neuroprocessing, but I got an article... Um, overnight, which I just posted on my wall this morning as I keep trying to find it. Um, oh, yeah, 28 ways to make the world more or less hostile. Sorry, start that again. 28 ways to make the world less hostile to mad, neurodivergent, and psychiatrically disabled people. And yeah. it talks about, you know, pathologization and all sorts of things. And I imagine it's, you know, a crossover or ballpark next door for people in terms of um, physical, um, yeah. to, use, to adapt the words from here, physically disabled people. Um, and of course, you know, there's only one person who knows your life and that's you. Exactly. And I mean, all this stuff comes down to social model stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and the key point around that for me is accessibility. Yeah. Now, accessibility, the concept of accessibility for me is not just a physical aspect. Yeah. It is a multifaceted aspect. Mm-hmm. Sure, you've got to have physical accessibility into a venue or a toilet or a whatever it might be. Yep. But there's other aspects to consider as well. Social accessibility, are the attitudes going to be conducive to, to initiating positive change within an individual or group that are affected by adversity? Um, emotional, those two fit in really well. Am I going to feel emotionally safe in this environment? Am I going to feel patronised? Am I going to feel empowered? Am I going to feel, you know, X, Y, Z? Yeah. You know? I might get you then to, to drill into detail on that as to what is a, a happy space for you, both in terms of I'll, I'll start with broader disability and then disability within rainbow communities mm. and obviously there could be similarities but I just want to get that in your words because mm. again it's your life um, what does that look like so hopefully people can be better allies um, mm. in that way I think overall like disability 
Um, <laughs> again, it comes to that key word of accessibility. Mm. Um, you know, are opportunities like education, employment accessible? Is there enough jobs um, available for people with disabilities? Um, is there um, enough education and training opportunities for people with disabilities to engage in in order to get said employment or is there apprenticeship um, opportunities for people with disabilities to gain employment? Um, and through those, you know, you'll have your economic accessibility, hopefully, yeah. all going well, you know. Thus, people will be able to, you know, contribute to back and, and effectively give back to society through hopefully, if the work is paid, the work that they do. Yeah. Um, or give back via volunteer work or, mm. you know, what it might, whatever it might be. I mean, nowadays I tend to encourage people to engage with disabilities in paid work. You can't just put us on as volunteers because we have to live too. Yeah, absolutely. Rent to pay, coffee to buy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, our work is value um, because our lived experience, not only that, but if we've gone through certain trainings and, you know, some some of the work that we've both been in, involved in and the, the programs and all of that stuff's got to be recognised. Yep. Um no, absolutely, absolutely. You can't just, um, you know, sort of just look at one bit in, in isolation. It does need to be holistic as well. Yeah. Um, and just did we cover in there any specifics for the intersection of rainbow and, and disability? I just want to make sure we got that as well. Well, God, yeah, that's, it, it, that's a nice little melting pot. <laughs> it's a melting pot because not only have you got stigmas around sexuality, you've got stigmas around disability, you've got stigmas around the LGBTI community. Yep. People with disabilities and sexuality, oh, people with disabilities don't have sex. Or on the flip side, oh, no, that person can't control themselves. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. So you've got these two spectrums of stigma and, 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 and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, false beliefs that yeah. the, the, that society holds around disability and sexuality. Yeah, I must admit, like the the ideals around that are improving, and people are viewing us as you know normal, sentient, feeling, seeing, thinking human beings with who are either on a spectrum or. Yep. I mean we. People with disabilities exist on a spectrum, just like anyone else. Absolutely, you know. Um, how many individuals are there in the world? Six or seven billion, in, including those with with disabilities, for, yes. for sure. Yeah. And we're all on a damn spectrum. Yep. So, listen to the individual. We can give some general principles for a group of people, but in the end, um, check in with everyone. No, it's a, it's that interesting extreme. Um, you know, and I can, as a trans person, mm. I can get the the sex thing. We're either told we're all 
um, craven sex workers or we're not worth having sex with at all, you know, that sort of, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's interesting, um, which comes into attitudes about sex, which could take up another program that I wish we, well, I wish I mean, we, you've, we don't you've have. Also, you've also got the assumption that people, all people with disabilities are cisgendered and straight. Um, mm. No. No. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, where's that spaghetti junction intersection, intersection when we need it? Goodness. I mean, you know, you sometimes, sometimes, I mean, you know, when we hear these things, there's that almost sense of disbelief that we're having now, that anyone could think that. But, yes, they're out there. And, you know, it, st- it struck me once on another intersection where I had a friend of mine who's a person of colour and also identifies as polyamorous was once asked oh people of color can be polyamorous and you sort of you have a there's that stunned silence then you do a head desk and then you go yes people are intersectional so get where you're coming from well i mean that 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 goes as well (laughs) you know people there's also the assumption that or people with disabilities in regards to sexuality and relationships are vanilla like Mm. yet again no. <laughs> well, that's right. People with disabilities can be kinksters and all sorts of people. Yeah. They can be highly sexual or asexual, any point in between, aromantic, highly romantic, any point yeah. in between. We Excellent. all exist on the spectrum. We're all, you know, we all have mm. our own individual kinks or interests or fetishes or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. And, of course, so long as it's safe and consensual for all the people involved. And um, I suppose we'd better throw it in case someone has a go at us as long as it's all of appropriate age. Yep. Um, you know, those three things are really what matters. And, you know, does it matter if someone, um, you know, sort of um, experiences disabilities or not? Um, and I suppose there's an issue. I mean, there's not a lot of, um, you know, kink spaces at the best of times, and they're probably not um, in terms of the... I'll use the word public as opposed to what might go on in private, but they can have their limitations as well. It's hard to find, a, say, a venue that would do a tantra course where there's some you know, bodily contact or nudity, yeah. but how to yeah. find one that might be inclusive for people such as yourself. Yeah, and I think the, the, the issues with that, I mean, again, <laughs> social model. <laughs> yeah. Accessibility. Um and I mean, this can be seen in many instances. I mean, you you've got your your venues for you know either sexual health or um, tantra, all of that sort of stuff that are you know upstairs and in in inaccessible venues. But there's also other venues like most of your your queer clubs and your pubs and your. Mm. Um, uh, these venues, um, I mean, there's some that are accessible, but they're far and few between. Yeah, not a lot, cutting the mustard. Um, and not only that, like, there's there's other barriers for people with disabilities to attend social events or to... Um, to uh, go to support groups or get you know, um, gender therapy. And, you know, one of those major big things is cost and Mm. economic circumstances. Yep. Because the average person with a disability, if they're not working, are trying to survive, 
nearly survive off disability support pension if they're lucky. Mm. If the government haven't put them on bloody new start or any such thing, which they're starting to do, which is preposterous. But, um, you know, economic participation and being able to go out there and enjoy life as, as a queer person with a disability, you know, interact with friends, get support, get friendships, get, you know, be able to meet someone special or, you know. Yep, absolutely. I'm, we're just we're getting towards the end of the show. I mean, it's just there's so much we haven't covered, yep. could cover, but yep. um, I do have to start um, getting start thinking that at one o'clock, um, yep. freedom of species are coming in. So I'm going to have to get you back on, on the line again, or maybe if you're up in the big smog um, up here, um, yep. come into the the studio. Um, I might leave you with just two th- um, two more things. One, what what is it about yourself that makes you feel unique? Um, you know, that you have something ultra amazing to offer? Um, I definitely think I have a unique perspective to offer um, and particularly with both not only sort of my queerness but as a person with a disability but also my experiences both extensively within the health and disability space as a consumer and as an advocate and doing activism as well, um, there's a lot that I feel I can offer to not only organisations but the community as a whole um, to offer a unique um, insight from the consumer perspective Yep. Um, in a somewhat impartial way. Yeah, which is a good way to lead to what the last thing I was going to yeah. ask for as we wrap up. If people want to come, um, to come and have you speak at their event or perhaps, I don't know if you do training or whatever it is you do, yeah, yeah, how yeah. do they get in touch with you? Cool. So I can either be contacted on 0484-112-850 yep. or you can email me on Kiralee D. Hayward, so I'll spell that out, K-I-R-R-I-L-Y, D. Hayward, or one word, at gmail.com. That sounds so like So feel free one. to get in, in contact with me. And I'm also, I've got a page on Facebook as well, a public page, so just search my name. Um, it should come up fairly easily, I think, on the, on the search list. Um, feel free to send me a message anytime if you're interested in coming, having me speak or do a consultation. Um, if you have any projects needing a unique perspective, um, please get in touch. Awesomeness. Look, Kiralee, you've tackled a whole, um, you know, you've had a life that in one sense, yeah, no one at 31, 32 should have had yeah. to go through, but you're here uh, and you're doing good stuff and that's the main thing. So, Keep going with it is all we can, all I can say. And just um, thanks again for coming on at short notice. And I know that I've got plenty out of our conversation. There's plenty more we could have touched on, but um, just Absolutely. keep Absolutely. rolling. And um, again, thanks for coming on, particularly on a holiday long weekend. No worries. My absolute pleasure. All right. And have a good rest of that weekend yourself. Yes, I will. I've got my uni again starting up this week, so I I will enjoy the next day or so. (laughs) Fair enough. Have some chill time in the meantime. All the best with everything. Catch you soon. Yes, no worries. Thank you, Sally.
Kiralee Haywood, wow, so much in that um, story. Um, just unbelievable. Um, yeah, um, I'm still drawing breath from that. Well, um, one of those moments as a radio presenter where I just love what I do and you just hear, get people to, and you hear things that are just energising and that sort of thing. Well, um, just awesomeness. All right, have a quick message. Come back with things that are coming up during the week and then better get out and make way for freedom of species. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. So I'm here at the school kids strike for climate action with some of the people who are on strike today. Can you tell us your names and how old you are? Uh, so my name's Ivy and I'm 12 years old. My name is Marta and I am 8 years old. My name's Layla and I'm 11 years old. Inequality is at a 70 year high. Our jobs are going offshore, our jobs are being right. casualised. Yes, 40% of us are trapped in insecure work. The richest 1% have more than the 70% of us at the bottom. And workers will stand up and fight. You've never seen a fight before until you back the Australian workers into a corner and tell them they've got no rights. Those workers (coughs) will fight. 3CR, union issues and workers' struggles. Feed Radical Radio. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. What an amazing conversation. I just realised I think I left the mic on and you had some of that. Wow, wow. Um, gosh, I'm a bit um, sort of um, speechless after that, just... Yeah, so much in there, so much to think about, so much that could be beyond our experience but um, needs consideration. And um, you know, just, yeah, long live diversity is all we can say. Well, um, just very quickly, things that are coming up um, on the weekend, um, in the next week or so. The Bi Discussion Group, um, part of the B in the LGBTIQ, um, is on this Tuesday, the fourth Tuesday of the month, as early as it can get, being the 22nd. Um, Bent TV and um, last Friday's only got late mail on this, but also this Friday's will um, feature four trans people talking about their journeys in the workplace. So, and we do need to keep talking about that. It's on it's on the improver on the long term, but there's still obviously things that need consideration. So um, great to see that happening. Um, trans family next Saturday um, for trans people the um, the fourth Saturday of the month. And also the Trans Anxiety Group um, also rocks along as well. And then next Sunday is the Shed for Trans Men. So lots of things happening. I'd better get out of here and make way for Freedom of Species. Thanks again to Curalee for coming on at short notice and being so vulnerable and authentic in telling their story. Um, and can't wait for the podcast to go up. Make sure you um, tune in for it. Um, and... Um, well, just check, checking quickly, I don't think anyone, everyone else is on holidays today, so make sure you listen to the podcast. But if you do have any comments, um, get in touch by the usual means of communication. Take it out today with Midnight Oil, because uh, we can, and from a track from the Diesel and Dust album that I always liked, Bull, Bull Roarers. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.